We asked for it, and we got it. Was it worth it? Was it worth all four hours and two minutes of it? On this episode of Moving Panels, we discuss Zack Snyder's Justice League. Welcome to Moving Panels, the podcast where we discuss movies and TV shows based on, inspired by, and adapted from the world of comic books. I'm your host, Laramie Wells, and I've united the team once again. Welcome back, Chad Smith, Tim Williams, and Blake Fowler. Man, how's everybody doing? Excellent, excellent, fellas. How are y'all? Good. Good, good. So glad to be a part once again. I've seen the Zack Snyder cut, and I have a lot of feelings, so I'm very excited to share them with you <laughs> Is it not the Snyder Cut anymore? I mean, the movie is titled Zack yeah. Snyder's Justice League. Yeah. I, I kind of like that. But. Yeah. Works for me. Yeah. And and <laughs> after, after seeing it, I was like, because this was supposed to be a one shot. This was supposed to be just our reaction to the Snyder Cut. Yeah, right. And then I rewatched <laughs> this and I was like, nope, this has got to be a full episode. That's a whole different movie. This isn't a reaction. Yep. We're talking about a whole new movie. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, All I right. don't want to start yet. I want to wait until you guys <laughs> yeah. have to say. Yeah. I, have no. a lot of things to, I have a lot of things to say, so let's, let's yeah, do just, this. Let's, <laughs> just the beginning. So assuming that the listener has heard our take on the original theatrical version, this immediately, literally, was a much better movie. Right. I, I mean... Um, who knows how much money they spent on that opening shot of... of uh, Superman's death gasp actually right. awakening the boxes mm-hmm, right, and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. It was brilliant. Way, way, way better than yeah. mush face CGI mustache yeah. oh. mess. Yeah. So. so let's go ahead and get this out of the way for people listening that may not, because the movie literally dropped yesterday as of this recording. Um, it was Thursday, March 18th. It's on HBO Max. Uh, it is four hours and two minutes long. It is split into uh, seven parts. Well, there's the opening that Chad's talking about. Then it's seven parts and then an epilogue with an epilogue with an epilogue. Uh, <laughs> uh, and um, we have all watched it. But just in case you haven't, we're going to go ahead and put it here. This is your spoiler warning, because this mm. is a different movie. Yes. So here just there be, be spoilers. Even if you have seen the 2017 Justice League, there are you spoilers. You have not seen the Justice League. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and stick around for each episode as we go through each chapter. So, <laughs> yeah. totally joking. Yeah. So, the for the next two hours, hours we're going to cover part will be one. seven hours long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I almost feel like you could do that, but yeah, gosh, do a whole man. separate podcast just on the Justice, <laughs> an eight-part series breaking yeah. down Zack Snyder's Justice League. All Coming right, in so eight. let's do it like a, re- a regular episode here on Moving Panel. So let's talk characters first and how the characters changed, uh, and we'll do it in the same order we did it last week. So let's start off with Batman. Okay. What what did you guys think of Batman in this this version of Justice League? It was the same Batman through the entire movie. He wasn't a different size and different <laughs> shades of gray in his hair. It was Batman and Bruce Wayne the entire movie. That, I'll, I'll just start there. So I'll actually chip in that some of the things that I liked about the theatrical movie that got cut, I actually liked that they were cut. That I wouldn't have yeah. if you'd have told me ahead of time. If you if you said that that scene uh, at his house under the lake, whatever it is, with him and Diana, that was kind of the heart of that of the theatrical movie. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. when I realized that we had passed that point in 
uh, you know, the new movie, I was kind of like, huh, that's interesting. Where are they going to kind of go with, you know, how are they going to rebuild that momentum that you get from that scene? Mm-hmm. But they didn't need to because they were actually doing something we like to call character development, <laughs> you know, with, with other characters. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Oh, man. That was exact. My thing was that we got to see more of Bruce, Batman, yeah. whatever you want to say, like figuring out how to get this team together. Yeah. You know, last week we talked about how he just shows up in that Nordic, you know, land looking for Aquaman. This one kind of explained exactly. it. Exactly. Yes, know? I was yeah, very happy was, about that. I said it was as simple as saying like the storm came through and the helicopter sent him to land. I was like, oh, okay, I can mm. buy into that now that he had to trek in on horseback. Yeah, was yeah. I the only person like checking off things that we discussed <laughs> and saying, oh, they answered that part. Oh, they answered yeah. that part. Just about everything we said that the theatrical cut needed, this exactly. one added. Yeah, I did going back just just for a second to the whole him going on horseback thing. Uh, His uh, Han Solo on Hoth outfit as he (laughs) saddled up. I was like, okay, that's cool. Yeah, nice homage. Got to do what you got to do. I guess when you're a billionaire, you get to nerd out even when you're you know questing across Iceland or whatever. So I will say my thing was was you know they explained that the storms had prevented the helicopter and how did he get here? He says he climbed over the mountain and they they chuckle at that. Well then when Aquaman blows him off, I'm almost thinking is Bruce standing there going, well I guess I got to go back over the mountain now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, how did he get back out of there? Right, you have to trek back over again. Right. Yeah, no kid. So uh, I like that. Batman does not, again, I'm just going to hit the beginning of the movie. I like that he's not fighting the parademons right off the bat. Yes. Like, yes. Batman no. is building this yeah. team for a threat that he believes is coming, mm. but doesn't yet have, you know, intelligence of. You know, he, yeah. he doesn't know what's happening. So he spends, I don't know what the first third of the movie in the dark trying to build this team. And it kind of alludes to that. He's going off of, you know, some stuff he heard from Lex Luthor and all this, but that was far more interesting to me than the weird boxes on the wall from the blasted parademon mess. So that, that was far more compelling. Yeah. I was going to say exactly that is that what I really enjoyed about the beginning of this one is it tied very well with Batman V Superman, especially with that opening scene. I know we're not talking about Superman yet, but that opening scene put me right back in the ending of Batman v Superman, mm-hmm. where I was kind of already invested from that moment. And then, cutting where we're talking about what Batman's saying, Lex said the enemy's coming at the gates or whatever the gates line is there. Yeah. It was like, oh, you're tying these two movies together very well, which once again takes me back to that movie and remembering everything that happened to get us to that point, which made much more sense than the 2017 Justice League. Yeah, and I, I do plan on getting back to that uh, that opening uh, when we get into the moving panel okay. section. There is a lot about that opening <laughs> right. that I want to talk about. Yeah, I was going to say, I think uh, throughout the movie, uh, I just like that Batman or Bruce, believe it or not, is operating on on faith. Yes. Like he, is, he has said, I'm going to depend on these other people to do what they're capable of and trust that the situation will take care of itself as best these people see fit, these metahumans see fit. Like he, he's built this team and he now trusts that this team is going to get the job done, which is a, 
a far cry from what he was in Batman v Superman. But again, like Tim was talking about, that connection to the movie, we're not only seeing his development in this movie, but his development from Batman v Superman on to now, which was exactly. awesome to see. Yeah, and I, I love that he, he yells that out to Alfred when he tells Alfred oh, God. You know, he's going to mm. come. Such a cool line. Oh. And he goes, well, how do you know? And he goes, Faith, oh, man. Faith Alfred, or whatever, yeah, yeah. you know. And I, I love he, he throws yeah. his arms out like that. Like, come on, I got this. You know, well, that's one of the moments in the movie where I like sat up watching it and just like kind of got the, the blood pumping for the next part, part 27 or whatever it is we made it to <laughs> after that. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to Wonder Woman. I'm going to go ahead and get into something with Wonder Woman that I actually didn't like. Uh, so her introduction scene, pretty much the exact same as it was in the theatrical cut. A couple of little extra moments, mm-hmm. but it was roughly the same. Uh, my thing was when uh, the guy is about to shoot one last time, she does the bracelet clang together, mm-hmm. and she blows out the entire <laughs> floor of the building. Yeah. yeah. So I'll actually kind of disagree with you a little bit. So two things. That scene is way further into this film than it was in the theatrical. And I do get that we're talking about a four-hour movie versus a two-hour movie, but still, I think even percentage-wise of movie, it's much further into the movie than than it was in the the theatrical one. And there's a lot more minutes in that movie, and if you go back and watch, because I know because I did this right after I finished it, I went back and watched (laughs) the theatrical one because that scene stood out to me. They cut those shots a lot shorter to make Mm. her less violent. Uh, Mm -hmm. That scene is much longer and had and she is straight up murdering people uh, <laughs> yeah. in the in the oh, new yeah. movie you know you see these guys heads getting caved in on the wall when she tosses them like little rag dolls and everything it's it's far more brutal and i thought that was an interesting take on the character yeah she uh she certainly with with no disregard or no regard for human life in there on those guys and I, I'm sure we probably all thought this watching it, but so she she bracelets the the leader, the boss, into dust. She like Thanos him essentially, and the little girl she goes so girl, the little girl's like, "Can I be like you when I grow up? Like a murdering Amazon woman? That's who you want to be." But then I realized, like the little girl's like, "Can I be a strong, powerful, confident woman? Like that's who I want to be. I aspire to be like." Wonder Woman, and I couldn't help but thinking like Joss Whedon saw that moment and cut it. I was like, yeah, we don't. We, this is not a cool moment. Let's not do this. You know, I got to tell you, as much as I, a huge Buffy fan and Joss Whedon, you know, back in the late '90s, early 2000s, kind of got this stigma of he was good with female empowerment and whatnot. He was even tied to the Wonder Woman mm-hmm. movie for actually mm-hmm. a little while. Seeing his version of Wonder Woman versus Zach's version of Wonder Woman, I'm going. Yeah, Joss didn't respect Wonder Woman at all. Agreed. Yeah. She has a much better arc in this. Yes. Which again, just just like... Yeah, that's what I was getting into. Just like with Batman, they took away some of the moments that you thought gave the theatrical movie heart, or did give that movie heart, but... Without those, it allowed for this development that you didn't see otherwise. Mm -hmm. And also, they didn't try to make her funny. Which yes. didn't yeah. work in the first movie. Yes, uh, so all the all the little weird throwaway lines that she had, you know, cutting a joke, were gone. And she's this serious Amazon warrior, which works for that character. It mm-hmm. made it much more. I don't know if believable is the right word because it's still pretty unbelievable. But you know, <laughs> it, it made it a, a more human character than just kind of this 
weird thing that you don't know what to do with. Yeah. Well, what were your thoughts about her when she, you know, becomes Indiana Jones or <laughs> Laura Croft, whatever you want to say there? What did you think about when she goes into that uh, tomb, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, and kind of unlocks the story, yeah. if you will, which she then later tells kind of explains how she all of a sudden knows the whole Mm -hmm. story about the mother boxes. So what do you think about that? I enjoyed it. I thought that was great. I thought that, number one, them the Amazon shooting the arrow that had a message on it instead of it just being, oh, when she sees this thing on fire, she's going to know that we need help. So there was a lot in the old version that you're just supposed to accept that she knows what's going on, where in this one, it was much more laid out in the sense of, oh, there's a message here that's leading to this. It was a little bit drawn out, but I appreciated it more because once again, and maybe seeing, watching this, knowing what she was going to learn made more sense. I was thinking about if this was a first time watch, would I really understand what she's seeing on those walls, but because I knew what the mother boxes were already, I was kind of putting the pieces together, but I did appreciate that building of her discovering it. So then when she explains it to Bruce later, you kind of already have an understanding of how she came to know that, that it wasn't just common knowledge back where she comes from. I think we can probably all agree. And we'll probably say this over and over again. The exposition and characterization in this movie are no pun intended leaps and bounds better than the theatrical cut. And to Tim's point, her going in there and, and Indiana Jones again, first of all, she did like a 10 to 20 foot drop in heels. That's impressive, Diana <laughs> Prince. Like, kudos to you. Uh, but that gives the story and her understanding of what's going on a little more believability instead of just her coming back like, I saw a fire, Dark Side's coming. Like, that's how I know that's connected. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do think it is important to recognize that that's a twofold reason, though. This movie is literally twice as long as the theatrical mm-hmm. version. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he had more time to do exposition, but also it's clear vision. Like it is yeah. twofold. It's it's because you had two storytellers the first time around uh, and it really muddied the, the story. Mm-hmm. So getting to see it clearly through, but also just time was on his side so you know speaking of time let's go into the flash shall we? <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah talk about a character that benefited from this version absolutely yes, sir absolutely oh my goodness we got to we got to see more of his abilities mm-hmm. right off the bat and then we got to see them develop throughout the movie we got less jokes Did yes this work yeah you know very appreciative of that. We, we got to actually see him be intelligent mm-hmm. and show that he's got the smarts. I, I absolutely love that. But I, I was going to go back to with the abilities and all. I absolutely loved when he's uh, rescuing all of the the people that were kidnapped from Star Labs and the building is collapsing and they do like the like almost like it's a a lightning storm going mm-hmm. on over top mm-hmm. of them as he's knocking away all of the rubble. Yeah. It's just a very yeah. cool mm-hmm. shot. Yeah, I like the fact that, too, in that scene, uh, so in the theatrical cut, he's terrified. Like, he is right. mortified right. to even be there. And in this cut, he's maybe not confident, but he's at least a little more assertive in how he's going about. We get to see him become yeah, a hero. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was that was a cool thing to see. Uh, like Chad said, not as many awful jokes that don't work. Enough comedy with his character to to make him likable. And then uh, it's something that's probably petty, 
but he's such a better runner in this movie. Okay, he, his running form is so much better than in the theatrical cut, which I appreciated very much. But again, uh, benefited from the amount of time that we had with this cut, and it was was great for the movie. Yeah, and I like that uh, we got uh, somewhat of an answer to something we that there may ask in the last episode about the Lois and him coming through in the mm-hmm. vision, as Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. was saying. So. I was like, I thought that was cool. They brought that back up to prove that we were wrong. But I also think that was all step that still was not for this Justice League movie. That was right. still a seed for what's yeah. coming, you know, something darker, as they said. But I will talk about one scene that I appreciated. We're kind of talking about the Flash, but one scene that bothered me a lot in the original was the scene of the Flash and Cyborg digging up Clark Kent and Superman's body. Mm-hmm. That's just them. And then for them to add Aquaman and Wonder Woman in that scene. Gave it much more context, and mm-hmm. they I actually enjoyed that scene more this time. Instead of saying, you know, and he even made this comment, you know, we could do this in a nanosecond, right? And so, because everybody thought that, why do you have the Flash digging a grave when he could do it so so quickly? So, and I kind of wondered, was that in the original yeah, no. cut that I just missed that line? No, you, and you also get that little kind of touching moment where the flash is like, you think Diana would go for a, a younger yeah. guy, you know? <laughs> yeah. And mm-hmm. I felt like they gave, it, it gave uh cyborg a, a moment to be funny, mm-hmm. but not like ridiculous. You know what right. I mean? Like yeah. every time he's mm-hmm. funny in the, in the theatrical version, it's just way over the top goofy humor, mm-hmm. which doesn't work. He plays that character so straight. Right. That, right. that, that, it doesn't work. So this was funny. He just gets to kind of very low key be like, yeah, she's 5,000 years old. Everybody's <laughs> yeah. younger. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah. yeah. So, but once yeah. again, and kind of going back to Blake's point about, you know, just the characterization and developing, having that scene to me solidified them as a team instead of in the other cut where it was just the two of them where it felt like, oh, we're the outcasts. We're not the big three. We're not Superman, Batman, Aquaman. We're kind of the guys up in training. So we get the manual labor. That's the way I read it in the earlier one, where this one, it's like, no, we're all here working together and yeah. building camaraderie where it becomes more believable later when they're really gelling as a team. Yeah, and I like that, you know, what you said about, you know, the Flash is saying, you know, I could do this in a nanosecond and Cyborg kind of looks at it and goes, you could. <laughs> but and it's kind of like going, we need to respect this. Yeah, being respectful. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Even when they load him into the back of the, the, the right. car and they're all four standing there, they pause mm-hmm. for a moment. And it's just, again, that that respect and acknowledgement of we know what we're doing. We're sorry you know, for this Clark that we're, we've raided your, your grave and dug you back up, but we really need you. I, you know, and it was a second, but I got all of that from that one second. Yep. Beautiful. Uh, we also talking about uh, something that we mentioned in uh, last week's episode uh, where Chad was going. And when did he learn how to time travel? In this yes, movie, was he learned so how to awesome. time travel in this movie. That was one <laughs> of my favorite parts. I was so, I was so ecstatic. I was like, thank you. Flash has a moment in this movie, and it was awesome. And they even gave you good reasoning. Like, yes, you, know, exactly. you have the scene mm-hmm. where they're waking Superman, and yeah. he's like, yeah, weird stuff happens when I approach the, the speed of light, you know, <laughs> yeah. and everything. And and you see it happen in that scene. It, mm-hmm. it sets exactly. it up for the end of the mm-hmm. movie. So it, it was so well done in that mm-hmm. sense. So you, you don't have to jump to the end to, to go, wait a minute, like, how does he all of a sudden mm-hmm. know 
how to do this. And uh, it, I, I really enjoyed that. I'm with you guys too. Yeah. The same thing. That's exactly what I was going to say. The scene with the mother box and uh, Sue Clark Kent there and just that split second where it starts rising back up out yeah. of the water yeah. uh, is uh, such a hair raising moment to then set up the end of the movie where he you know, kind of puts everything together and it was just, oh, it's such a... Literally. Yeah, yeah. literally, yeah, literally yeah. puts it together. Again, one of those moments where I found myself, after slouching while watching, sitting back up on the edge of my seat, mm-hmm. watching that happen and thinking, like, ah, uh, this is my childhood come to life on screen right here. Like, how cool is this? For sure. All right, let's move on to Aquaman. My, my initial take on Aquaman in this one is I liked how they really built on... Is he or will he will he join the team? Mm-hmm. You know, is he going to when's he's going to show up? They really built up on that. And they don't just have that random moment. as much as we joked about, you know, the oh, it's a bat. Dig it. Yeah. That was such a random moment that he just shows up on the rooftop mm-hmm. and says that. I like that they cut that out. They give him his heroic you know, show up mm-hmm. moment um, that he shows up at just the right time and does what's needed. Absolutely love that. But here's my question. I didn't think about this the first time around. I don't know if he did it more in this one with it being longer. Where is he getting his shirts? If he takes his <laughs> right, shirt off yeah. every time he jumps into the, the water. The village people are knitting them, obviously. He's just, and, just knitting them and he's taking them. And does a uh, mid-twenties young lady have to come down and put her face bizarrely into the shirt? <laughs> and smell it, yeah. yeah. I was... <laughs> So I wasn't the only one creeped out a little bit by that scene. It was a little strange. It was a little. My, we, yeah. And she clearly held on yes. to it because he's wearing the same thing in the epilogue. Yeah. He's wearing that same sweater and all in the epilogue. That might be his like uh, his dry cleaner. She comes down and gets his stuff and gets it ready for the next time She's, he's there. While yeah. while serenading him with uh, Nordic Icelandic tunes as he escapes into the water. So she was just smelling it to see how much dirt. To, yeah, how, how, yeah. How deeply do I need to clean this sweater? That's yeah, what that scene much, was about. Yeah, I, I'm with you. How, how much oxyclean <laughs> am I having flown in for this? Horrible. Oh, man. It was super weird. Yeah. But going again, I, I want to point out as many of these as we can. Going back to last week, I believe it was Tim mm-hmm. that was like, you know, where did Aquaman get his suit? Well, we get told in I this movie. I was so happy. We know exactly where he got his suit. <laughs> and the trident, because. Yeah, at one point he didn't yeah. have it, and then all of a sudden he did have it. I was like, yes. that's where he got the trident. And good for Willem Dafoe for yeah. having his Finally. Family. Yes. <laughs> but also, you got a reason why he joined the team. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, yeah, he got his stuff, but this gave so much better character development. And you understand now, you know, he showed up at the last minute to defend the box and got his butt handed to him. And he realizes what's at stake all of a sudden Mm -hmm. and starts seeing the wisdom in what Bruce Wayne is doing. And we keep talking about time in this movie has allowed characterization, but I really felt like Aquaman was a character in the theatrical cut who could have been characterized better because he's just a jerk in the theatrical cut. Essentially Mm -hmm. there's a scene between him and, uh, I can't remember if it's a Flash or Cyborg. Or Cyborg, where he's trying to find the mother box in the theatrical cut. And Aquaman's just a jerk to him. Tell him to hurry up. Let's do that. You know, you need to hurry up and do this. We're in the Snyder, Zack Snyder's Justice League. He's a lot more understanding. You know, he, he gets that everybody's doing what they can to help the situation. And it just, we talk about humanizing these characters as much as we can. This cut humanized him 
as opposed to making him just a rear end to everybody. Well, but it does start off because he, you know, he questions Cyborg right, right off the but bat. That like, how do we know you're not involved in it? But then as Cyborg then explains everything and shows everything, like Chad's saying, we get that moment of, of Aquaman going, okay. all right, yep, I respect you. Let's Let's right. do this, you know. All right, well, we're talking about Cyborg, and oh, my dear Lord, he is the backbone of this <laughs> movie. Oh, without he, question. Yeah, he clearly was the one that benefited the most from, from this recut. Yes, uh, yes. So, hands down. And that scene you were just talking about is one of the key moments. Like, when you get to go into his vision and see, mm-hmm. you know, A, it gave you a reason for these weird mother boxes from the, in the first one that are never really explained and are still Mm. just this bizarre magic cube that we're supposed to buy into. But you also just got kind of who he is through that and opening himself up to the team a little bit, you know, really giving a reason why they should trust him, all that sort of stuff. It was such a better scene than, than you got in the theatrical one. And I love that they give him more of a backstory. Yes. You know, he's not just some, random dude who that his dad happened to be a scientist we not only get to see him be the athlete but i love just the moment we find out he was a computer whiz even before mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. like you know he hacks into the school system yeah. and then when he listens to his dad's the first half of his dad's recording and we get to find out about kind of it, it reminded me so much of superman and even what we got to see later with superman you know his dad being the voice and you know who he's listening to and him learning how his powers work but also him going against what his dad's saying you know it's a matter of not doing this and then we see him give that you know woman a hundred thousand dollars um because we've gotten that moral compass of him he's willing to break the rules to do what he believes is right he believes Mm -hmm. is right and so we got we got that and i i just absolutely loved cyborg in this excuse me cyborg in this movie ray fisher is amazing mm-hmm. i really hope if they can rejuvenate this uh extended universe yeah. now that he will come yeah. back just, i yeah. really want him to come back well and i mean even his uh not to to downplay anything that did get opened up with cyborg but i just wanted to throw out there that his dad has such a better yes. arc in this yes. movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, there's so, and that actor was so wasted in the theatrical one. I can't mm-hmm. remember his name yeah. off the top of my head. Joe Morton. Yeah, he he's such mm-hmm. a great actor and was so just utterly underused in that role. And then to see it really pay off in this one, I mean, yes. really pay off. And it was such a good scene uh, because uh, you know in the theatrical version. Uh, you just see the beam of light come down on the Kryptonian ship, and they go, and they just cut to the next scene. Well, he's got all the cubes now. What are we gonna do? And this gave that so much more heart, so much more heart. I agree. Going back to the uh, well, since we're still on Cyborg, so it's actually great to see Victor Stone as Victor Stone instead of just seeing him as Cyborg. So all those scenes where you saw him in his uh, his Letterman jacket and. All those scenes, it made him more human, where in the other version, it was just a machine. I never understood the human side of him. And then even that scene where it showed him being created by his father or, you know, reborn was fascinating. Like that scene was Mm -hmm. amazing. And it gave such depth to this person and this character that I cared about him where I didn't really care about him in the first one. Well, and my thing, you're talking about seeing him when we, like Chad was saying, when we go into his Mm -hmm. mind and he's, he's Victor in his mind, 
there was even an arc there because when it happens at the very end, when he goes inside of the mother boxes, Mm -hmm. you know, he sees Victor, you know, himself Mm -hmm. as Victor. He sees his parents and, you know, they're trying to get him to give in and he comes to terms with who he is and we see him actually turn into Cyborg in that scene. Another amazing scene. And he's accepting who he is. Yeah. Yeah. Which is infinitely better than the theatrical version where he just is making jokes and try what with superman while trying to divide this thing up mm, the, yeah. that whole setup yeah, a tug of war that whole setup was so much i mean just you cannot compare the two it, it is so much better yeah i uh i don't know how many of y'all or how many of the listeners are on twitter but ray fisher has been championing this since yes. 2017. Like, if we've got anybody to thank for this, I would probably say it's Ray Fisher. Ray Fisher knew what was there, mm-hmm. what this movie could have been, and from the sound of it, what all he had to deal with on set to still stick to this and want to, because he knew what we're all talking about, that Cyborg was the heart of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, Cyborg was the guy that ties everything together, that made this movie what the, the Snyder Cut was. So, Ray, kudos kudos to Ray Fisher. Yeah, absolutely. And let me point out, too, that, uh, so, I think it was Laramie last week when we were talking about the original movie, uh, you know, you're looking at that Diana is the heart of that movie, kind of. Mm-hmm. But she does not, it's not that it dissipates her to make Cyborg the yeah. heart of the movie. She's right. this... It made her stronger. She's just a stronger warrior. Yeah. She really, you really kind of see her being able to go toe to toe with Superman a, a little bit better. That sort of thing. Uh, she benefits from it too in a way that I don't think you could foresee if somebody just told you this was the way it was going to go, kind of thing. Right. So to go a completely different route with Cyborg, I wanted to ask this because uh, I am pretty sure these never appeared in the uh, the theatrical cut. What do you think of his little like extending arms, like his little spider mm-hmm. arms that would come out? <laughs> I, yeah, I could have done yeah. without it. Uh, yeah. That- it, it that was, was just that a, was kind of my yeah. thought too. I was like, oh, that looks a little weird. <laughs> Didn't super detract from it, but Chad's right. Could have could have been done without. It was for me. It was a little too reminiscent of Spider-Man's yeah, Iron, Iron Spider. Yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. what about the fact? So, I I know they get to the fact that pretty much everything that's technological is under his control. But does that include just being able to repair a shattered? tape recorder that is also consisted of plastic (laughs) and uh, (laughs) that one was interesting just uh, can all of a sudden you know change matter is that though some of the mother box left over in him because i mean that's that's what it is explained to do yeah that's how i kind of interpreted that so that's true i didn't think about that um i did i did get a kick out of the fact uh, that when they get to the Batcave little area and he sees the big carrier that Bruce has been working mm-hmm. on throughout the movie. And, you know, he was like, you know, she, she she's broken. She wants to fly. I love that it's Aquaman who says, you can talk to machines. <laughs> like, go ahead. Considering he's, he's always talking, the one made fun of her being to able fish. to talk to fish. <laughs> yeah, I did get that. So, uh, so we didn't get our booyah. He did. He doesn't say booyah. Thank goodness. In this, thank um, you, Zach In this cut, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Praise. Uh, he praise also, me. even though I really thought it was about to happen at the very end when he visits uh, the graves, and right before you know he takes off, he doesn't change into the comic book look, mm-hmm. like he did at the end of the the first the original movie. 
I, I think that's because that. there's more. I, I don't there was know. supposed to be more coming, you know? Like, the, he was going to get that later on, I think. I don't know. And that was something I kind of wanted. I kind of wanted to see him. He's accepted who he was. He's, you know, realizing he's cyborg. And when he, when he, you know, knelt down right before he took off, you know, blasted off into the sky, just to see his suit kind of smooth out and the circle, the red circle on his chest. I, I, just, I think that still would have been pretty cool to see happen. Y'all got nothing <laughs> on that. <laughs> I really didn't care. No strong Sorry. opinions, though. That's, yeah. That's Except, well, I think I think you've heard Snyder talk uh, now that it's up, so I did some, obviously, reading after watching it, and he's talked about what all he was planning on setting up, and part of it was that cyborg storyline where he takes on the, the mantle and look that we all know and love. So I, I wish that could yeah. come later. Who knows? Maybe it will now. Never say never. Yeah, and we're going to get into the possible future of this uh, towards the end, but Don't let's go ahead and, <laughs> and hit our last member of the Justice League. Uh, the one who, what was it, like two hours into the movie before he shows up? Uh, Superman. Mm-hmm. But, and I'm glad we talked about this, it made much more sense uh-huh. in this version that he was still there or the character was still there even before they brought him back. Like in the original, it almost seemed like a last thought. Like we just need to bring Superman back. It was like a a light bulb moment where I felt in this one, it was being told to us all along. Like, don't forget about Superman. Don't forget about this promise we made. Don't forget about he. We were constantly being reminded. I think better in this one than yeah, but at the same time they weren't immediately saying we need to bring Superman right. back. They were going about it as if they had to do this without mm-hmm. Superman. It's not until they have that discussion and note, find out what the mother boxes can do until you all of a see see all of them look at each other and of course Flash goes. I know we're all right. thinking right. the same thing, you know. So <laughs> I wanted to point out that I think that I think Cyborg already had that idea. I think he's actually leading everybody to that conclusion. Yeah. And yeah. like and he lets Flash kind of set it up and then you see him, you know, uh whatever you hol- hologram the hologram oh, Superman yeah. there. Yeah. I, I kinda got the feeling that he was already ahead of them a couple of steps at that point. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, he uh his Absolutely his return sure. was done a lot better in this film, I think, and his moments yes. with Lois and his mother on the farm were done a lot better. There was a lot more emotional punch to those uh well it's and, nice when you can see the actor's face I mean, yeah okay Ooh, yikes <laughs> yeah. hot hot i hot love that there, there was no cgi oh, yes. mouth in this <laughs> yes. one um so that was pretty cool and i, I don't know if we're going to get into it a minute but the moment he shows up to the fight and the i'm not impressed line oh oh, oh man <laughs> okay yeah. I'm glad we all had the same reaction there. Yeah, that was, I mean, as much as I loved him flying in in the original and you get the, you mm-hmm. know, I mentioned this last week's episode, the, you know, dun, da, da, mm-hmm. when he flies in, you know, it's very iconic. This one was just yeah. epic. Yeah. Just to show up, get hit mm-hmm. by the axe, stand there and go, eh, not impressed. And then just lightly blow yeah. mm-hmm. on the axe, mm-hmm. freezes it and shatters it. I agree. This was great. Loved it. What about the fight, though, when he first shows up? He is, I mean, he is dominant uh, in in what we had seen before. He mm-hmm. is brutal in mm-hmm. this scene, mm-hmm. though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just absolutely brutal. He gave uh, Steppenwolf a haircut there at one point in time. Yeah. But no, that battle with the Justice yeah. League, you know, when it all of a sudden I'm going, ooh, that they're going a little mm-hmm. extra yeah. with, with this. And, and it was just like the Wonder Woman scene in the sense that it was mostly just extended shots where yeah. you could tell that Joss yeah. had just cut these down 
uh, once he got a hold of him, you know, probably for time to give the man a you know fair due or whatever. But yeah, Superman's way more brutal. And the uh, instead of just kind of tossing Bruce to the side, for one, I actually appreciated that he doesn't remember who Batman is. Mm-hmm. Because in the other one, you know, he remembers who Batman is even before Lois shows up on the scene. So uh, he already was kind of coming back around. So you don't get that payoff that Lois is the key that why yeah. he starts coming back. But also you didn't get the cheesy line where Superman repeats back to Batman. Oh, Do you believe? Mm-hmm. You know, you, 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 so we avoided all of that, mm-hmm. which was nice. Yeah. And I'm getting thankful we didn't have bringing the big guns whole setup that was from before uh. having... I know we're not talking, I guess we're talking about Superman, so we're talking about Lois. That development of her character. And already yeah, be there. Development mm-hmm. of her character where for that day to be the day that she was going back to work, that she was going to move on, and then she hears the sound, she sees him floating above the uh, the old ship. I love that, yeah. that yeah. she sees him. I so love then when that. that fight's going, I'm like, she's going to show up, she's going to show up. And then when she shows up, it was like, thank you, this is... This is how you set this scene up instead of just them showing up in a police car, however they came in the last no, one. Alfred brought Alfred her. brought yeah. him, right. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. I think the word is organic. Yes. It was a lot more organic occurring than, bring. yeah, what did you say, Chuck? Bringing the big guns, Alfred. Like, oh, okay, that's, I uh, didn't enjoy that. This happened very naturally. It was set up. This is a monument she goes to mm-hmm. every day right. almost. Right, right. So she's going to be there. So that was... It was just it's it was so well done. I don't I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, just going back to Superman though. I and again I'm I'm the big Superman fan, so anything <laughs> is gonna is gonna trigger me. But him walking through the ship. Yes. First off, when they bring his body, yes. I don't remember this from no. the original. Uh, when they bring his body in and the the, the uh, ship is yes, reacting, awesome. and Flash says the ship knows mm-hmm. he's here. Okay, so you so know? comic book nerd me was hoping that Zack Snyder would go full comic book and that there would be the hologram, though. That would The Justice League was going to have to fight the the hologram Superman that protects uh-huh. Superman's body in the comic books, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. But I, but I love them when he goes back to the ship and we're seeing you know the ship open up and sh- reveal all the suits as he's walking down, but then you're hearing the back and forth between Jor-El and Jonathan. Wonderful. Just, oh, I got to tell you, I got teary-eyed. I really did. Both times that I watch it. I have watched this movie twice. All right, Kevin Smith. All four hours. <laughs> I have watched this movie twice. I watched it Thursday, and then I actually watched it right before we Stop recorded. Uh, I got home from work. Got home from work. I looked at the clock, and I was like, I got time I to fit in this entire movie before we record. Nice. And I watched it again. But both times, when he's walking through... You know, you're hearing Jonathan. You're because real quick, the the thing with Jonathan, there's something I actually don't like. When they remove his body from the casket, none of them are respectful to that picture yeah, right. yeah. of Jonathan, and they just let it fall into the water, which I I have a problem with. I, I get the visual of it, but I have a problem with that. You know, if if you had seen maybe Aquaman, since he's the one that removes the body, had just picked it up and set it to the side and then maybe it gets blown off as flash comes not, by but, maybe yeah yeah but again when he's walking through you hear Jor-El you hear Jonathan and then of course you don't see it but you see cuz their suits coming mm-hmm. out and he passes the the blue suit and then obviously another door opens 
And, you know, you're going, oh, this is the black suit. And then they open that door and he comes out of the fog uh, and he's in the black suit. Loved it. Okay. Teary-eyed, so, chills, loved I'm it. I'm just going to call it. Is the black suit being throughout the rest of the film, is that Zack Snyder just giving the big old fat middle finger to Warner Brothers? Gotta be, right? I mean, he wore it the whole time. Even after he was like <laughs> rejuvenated and healed, yeah, he still saying. wore it. Yeah, because yeah. that was my thing. I didn't mind it through the whole battle with Steppenwolf and all that. I got it. He's, you know, it's for people who don't know in the comics, it's his rejuvenation suit. It's supposed to absorb the sunlight more, which they right. show. Mm-hmm. They show him, yeah. you know, fly up and stand there. Another and cool shot. Stretch yeah, his awesome arms shot. out. Or not stand there, but fly. Yeah, and you see the sun. So I was fine with that. I gotta admit, I'm a little... The the big, you know, Christopher Reeve, you know, shirt rip open that he does at the end, I kind of wanted to see the blue and red. Yeah, that and that's kind of why I think it was Zack Snyder kind of giving him a, a little bit of, yeah. Uh, a little what for? I'm, I'm not super happy about what you guys did to me. So I, I do think there was a little bit of that. Yeah, and then he's wearing, he's wearing the blue suit in the epilogue when he's the evil Superman. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, in the nightmare, yeah. 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 Yeah, in the nightmare. Yeah. Pers- yeah. I love the black suit just as a last point there, so I-, I will point out though, you just said the last member of the Justice League. There is a seventh member uh. of the Justice League. I'm I'm getting into that. That's exactly where I was going. So last week we talked about how they said unite mm-hmm. the seven in that famous poster. Uh, but there were only six. This movie gave us our seventh, although he doesn't officially join until the very end. He just says, I'm here if you need me. And uh, Bruce you know, tells him, yeah, we can use all the help. But that is, we do get Martian Manhunter. Mm-hmm. Chad was right. No, I super enjoy that actor. I'm really glad that that portion came true i was a little bit creeped out about him being uh martha kent yeah and that was a how, weird how scene. does that not get brought back up later when when lois is like i'm so glad you came to me that day and, and you know got me to get out of my house and she's like uh come again what, what are we talking about <laughs> well also i do think that when you know martha steps out of lois's apartment and then reveals that it's martian manhunter part of me went well, that just kind of diminished that whole mm-hmm. scene between Martha yeah. and Lois. Yeah. Because it wasn't actually Martha. And because when Martha is talking about how she can't tell people that she's so proud of her son and all that, I'm just going, oh, this is heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And then you find out it wasn't even Martha saying it. Uh, yes and no. So they don't explicitly tell you any of Martian Manhunter's powers in this. But being the yeah. Martian Manhunter fan, he is a telepath. So he's channeling Martha. I, yeah. He's clearly been watching the two of them and has kept right. tabs on them. So it is Martha's thoughts, uh, just through you know a different mouthpiece. So, but I, I agree yeah, with you in the I, sense I, I got that. I, but... I agree with you in the sense that like the casual viewer is not going to know that, and so it does take away from yeah. that a little bit. But yeah, super glad. What did y'all think of his look? So in that like kind of the veiny head. Yeah, in that dark hallway scene. It kind of worked in the sense that you just saw the light from the cross, whatever you want to call them. It's, it's kind of like a stylistic thing with him. He has the, the big yellow crosses across his mm-hmm. chest. And uh, I thought that worked in that particular scene. But at the epilogue, when you get him in full you know, Martian Manhunterness, it, it was a little bizarre. His skull yeah. in particular is strangely yeah. helmet-like and... 
it, it, it was a little weird, but and his eyes kind of to me they kind of look like bug eyes. Yeah, yeah. I, like I will be the rare optimistic voice here, and I'm just happy we got him. Like to oh, be able yeah. to put him in the movie finally. Like I realize it's not the best CGI, but for what Zach I guess was given to work with here in the aftermath of the theatrical release, like the fact that he got him in there and he looked. As halfway decent as he did, I, I thought was just a, just a cool touch. I hate it wasn't Green Lantern. I don't know how everybody feels about that, but I'm with you. So, so two things there. I don't think this was a reshoot. I think it was an original. And I'm just going off of reports that Ben Affleck did not participate in any reshoots for this cut. Mm-hmm. So okay. with that in mind, I, I think it may not have been a reshoot to begin with. But two, I actually enjoyed that they gave you the ancient lantern when mm-hmm. you have the flashback scene. I thought that yeah. was really cool that you yeah. saw that you know lanterns had participated in Earth's defense before, and they did acknowledge that. I thought it was mm-hmm. pretty neat. Yeah, and I'll go back to that scene. I do think that the scene uh, with Lois was a reshoot because I was saw, I was watching something earlier, and they showed the storyboards of what was to be filmed before Zach left the project. So I think that scene of uh, Martian Manhunter being uh, Martha was a yeah. reshoot. So I was just talking about the epilogue scene. Yeah, oh, the I got epilogue you. Scene. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Edit the, that part the, out. Yeah, it's all good. The scene with, uh, with, with Bruce. Okay, so we talked about the Justice League, our heroes, and how much more developed they are. Let's go to Steppenwolf. Was Steppenwolf a better character? In this, was he a better hundred percent? Give him oh, more depth. Man. Yes, I say I, without yes, question. Yeah, yeah, by leaps and bounds. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's not even comparable. He's this depraved conqueror in the first one that you have almost no reason for what he's doing, and I think it's so much more compelling and actually almost sympathetic. He is this mm-hmm. fallen from grace yeah. character who's trying to earn his way back in kind of thing so he, he he a had much more motivation that made sense other than well it's a superhero movie and you got to have a bad guy mm-hmm. uh, you know so uh, the whole thing was just so much more compelling yeah I, I did think it was interesting because laramie had actually talked about seeing the trailers originally we got more of this version visually and so we went away from the kind of human looking Right. Steppenwolf that we had with Joss Whedon to this monster, I liked it. I liked mm-hmm. the armor. The scene yes. with the uh, yes. I love the, the armor. The scene with the Amazons where he, he flexes yeah. and it just yeah. crushes the arrows and stuff. I thought it was awesome. really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when he gets mad, the spikes yeah. come. Was out. Was anybody else yeah. excited that we didn't hear him say "mother" one time during this? Oh my, coach, oh my gosh! Yeah, oh, man. Where is your mother? Who are we talking about? So. <laughs> yeah, who is who is that? No, he was he was done better from character design to motives yeah. to just all around better. And even though uh, Chad and I think you're 100 percent correct because we've all been at that point where we've disappointed somebody, and so you know how it feels to try and get back into their good graces. And so at certain points, you kind of feel for. You know, okay, I get why he's doing what he's doing, mm-hmm. which lent a lot more to the story. We can't talk about a DC movie without making an MCU comparison, of course. So, I mean, that's why Thanos is a great villain, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you you almost can understand where he's coming from. Right, you know, right. His, his motivation isn't just, I'm evil because I'm evil, you know, kind right. of thing. Right. So. Yeah. Well, and that was, you talk about the, the sympathetic nature you almost have. 
when he's confronting or being spoken to by Desaad that first time, you almost see like these sad, yes. almost innocent yes. eyes oh, he's, he's, on Steppenwolf. He's terrified. Mm-hmm. Anytime he talks to Desaad or Darkseid, he is mortified. And it was just such a, you know, again, with the first one, he's this brutal conqueror for no reason almost. And this one, it was just a whole lot more depth. We keep saying depth, but it just... It, Every character got it. Uh, to kind of flip the script on that, though, I really enjoyed that I felt he was more powerful in the final mm-hmm. battle. Mm-hmm. That was such so much more convincing to me, that in battle on both sides. And we'll get into this more once we really start talking about you know the movie overall. But I thought making him stronger in that fight and like forcing the justice league characters to you know for la- cliche or whatever but up their game it just made for such a better scene so there is another thing i like better and this will get us into we had another villain in this movie i loved that in that original battle yep. mm-hmm it was dark side. It wasn't Steppenwolf. I loved that. And to have dark side be the one. I, of course he's entirely CGI. Um of course so was Steppenwolf, but uh what do you think of dark side? It was a enormous uh, addition to the movie. Uh and you clearly saw what they were trying to set up for a sequel movie, which you know I'm sure we'll talk about more later, but that uh, made it just so much more better that uh, and, and then you have the plot point added with what he finds in that first right. fight, even though he didn't realize mm-hmm. he found it mm-hmm. uh, until, you know, Steppenwolf makes the realization later. So very, very cool. And there's a lot of and it, it, for me, it gave like good tie ins back. So when Steppenwolf makes the comment that Wonder Woman has the blood of the old gods, it's clearly something they would respect. The old gods are the only thing that ever defeated right. his master. You know, so you have all this depth of plot and character there that's great. And how about the fact that it was Ares yeah. that mm-hmm. gives yep. the, mm-hmm. the blow? Yep. Well, Zach clearly likes to walk that line of can villains be heroic? I mean, you you know, to really fast forward, we get into the epilogue and the nightmare. You have both Dark- Deathstroke and the Joker mm-hmm. having to kind of toe the line. And, and can they be part of the solution versus always being a bad guy kind of thing? I think you look at a lot of Zack's movies, and he's constantly blurring that line of who is good and who is bad. Mm-hmm. And because life itself is not so black and white, everything's kind of in the gray. Everything's muddled. Mm-hmm. And he does a good job of making those points in his films. Just to throw in these characters, uh, just real quick, uh, what do you think of the look of Desaad? Very different from the comic book. A whole lot different. I wouldn't have known who it was if he hadn't said the name, to be honest with you. And... I kind of thought that was some of the worst CGI. Uh, well, okay, two things. The stone, or I'm assuming it was plutonium or something, they're in a dead reactor. Yeah. Like phasing in and out of being the, vi- you know, being their, whatever you want to call it, hologram machine. That was mm-hmm. cool. But the actual uh, CGI of that character in particular was, I was like, that's a little on the rough side. Agreed. Yeah. And what'd you think about at the end, uh, seeing Granny Goodness just chilling over there next to Dark Side? Uh, it was a little strange. I wasn't expecting that at the end of the movie. All right. Um, I do want to throw out uh, out another character that had actually a bigger part in this, and that's Mera. Yeah. yeah. You know, she, she has a bigger part of this. That battle she has with Steppenwolf, yes. when she starts sucking the yes. water and blood yeah, was, out of his body. Awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah, a little speechless at that, not well, gonna lie. Well, and even just that scene where she's talking to Arthur Curry, I enjoyed this version mm-hmm. so much better. She is sympathetic and trying to talk to him in a way to bring him back. Whereas in the original cut, she is almost antagonistic with him. She like mockingly mentions Mm -hmm. his mother, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so she was, she's a throwaway character in the theatrical Mm -hmm. version. This Mira is so much more important and just, I'm with you, Laramie. I was totally into seeing her fight Steppenwolf to, to give Arthur time. We didn't know he was on the way, but to give him time to, uh, to get in the fight too. That was, it it was pretty. Yeah. To your point, Chad, I think in the theatrical version, I felt like that whole scene with Mera was all just, hey, we've got an Aquaman movie coming next, so here's a little yeah, sneak yeah. peek of what you're yeah. going to see, where this one, it didn't feel that way at all. It was She was a part of the story that they were, he was telling, not just something shoehorned in for something that's going to come later. So I agree 100%. Yeah, that, that organic word. Well, and then it up. makes it so much better in the epilogue in The Nightmare, where she's yeah, now exactly. part yeah, of yep. the team. I love that it's a subtle thing. But the fact that she's carrying two tanks of water, <laughs> yeah. you know, so that she mm-hmm, can use yeah. that that ability. Because she's not a half-breed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, finally, throwaway. I don't think they even mentioned his name until the very end. Ryan Choi. Yeah. yeah. The Adam. Adam. Yeah. Uh, so I'm with Blake on this. I didn't actually get to read as much as I would have liked to post-movie about uh, theories and stuff. But he, Zack Snyder actually wanted a standalone uh-huh. The Adam movie. He was pitching that at the time so i don't know if, if we would have ever actually gotten that but it's a cool thought well, you cool. talked earlier about having a vision like it is clear with every single thing that happens he had stuff set up for later on and it's again unfortunate that what occurred occurred but it makes it such an enjoyable experience because as a fan you can kind of play out what might have happened in your own mind like how where he was going with this and what would have occurred and i think it's such a cool thing for him to go back and be able to do that Hello movie viewers and fellow movie lovers. My name is Tim Williams and I'm the creator and host of Movie Views Presents the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. See, I love the 80s and I have a great appreciation and nostalgic passion for the classic 80s flicks that birthed my love for movies and ultimately helped shape my childhood. On each episode, I'll discuss, with a special guest co-host of course, a different film from the 1980s. We'll share memories, favorite characters, iconic scenes, and even share some behind-the-scenes stories along the way. We'll discuss famous blockbusters like Raiders of the Lost Ark, Coming to America, Ghostbusters, Dirty Dancing, Top Gun, Die Hard, and many, many more. As well as some other cult classics and even lesser-known flicks we discovered on cable TV or the now-defunct video rental stores. Remember those? No matter what 80s flick we choose to talk about, we'll always have a good time, so come and check us out. You can find the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast on major podcasting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and more. Be sure to subscribe or follow so you don't miss a single episode. Once again, I'm Tim Williams, and I hope you'll join me for the next 80s Flick Flashback.
All right, so let's move into the moving panels. We're not really going to talk about comic book connections. We talked about that in the uh, the first one and really kind of pulled away from some of those comic book connections. Yeah. And so there's really not a lot of comic book connections in this uh, Snyder Cut. But I said we were going to talk about it. Let's go ahead and knock it out. That opening scene. Yes, let's go. Okay. Let's talk about that opening scene. The, we re-see the death of Superman in this 3D-looking experience i want to talk about this real quick what did y'all think about the aspect ratio the fact that it's in a four by three ratio it bothered me at first but i eventually i kind of i adapted to it but there were certain scenes that i wish were widescreen but i understand he was going for the imax theater Mm -hmm. experience so if your tv's big enough i guess it doesn't matter (laughs) so nerdiness here. So for those that don't know, I'm pretty big hobbyist into photography and the, the human eye sees most closely in a five to three aspect ratio. And so he shot this in a four to three aspect ratio, which allows the human eye to soak up as much information as possible without overloading, without you searching all over the screen, like in a wide angle aspect to find what you're looking for. This gives you a focus and where to look. I thought it was a genius move, especially for a generation who part of them are watching this grew up on Instagram. And that's the, the Instagram aspect ratio was initially four to three. So he, I, I thought it was a cool move along with it being shot for IMAX. So there's some, there's some nerdiness on top of your nerdiness you're already getting here, folks. I was going to say that was the nerdiest response nice. I've ever yeah, heard. There you go. Hey, yeah, appreciate but I, it. I appreciate it. I, I feel like I learned something. I appreciate yeah. it. We, we need the, the more you know star to yeah. now go across. <laughs> <laughs> and knowing is half the battle. Yeah. How yeah. much does it cost to get that star put on here, Laramie? What did... I was about to say, we're, we're, we're losing all kinds of license <laughs> yeah. money right now, so... We got paid GI Joe. Those guys. All right, so let's go back to that opening. So we we get the opening, and then oh, going right into Superman screaming, Mm -hmm. and the Mm -hmm. ripple. Yeah, and the fact that they literally make it so that Superman's death ripples across the entire earth mm-hmm. and yes. awakens the yeah. mother boxes it, it is yeah it is epic and just i, I thought it was and cool that's the that thing. it was silent you immediately go this is a bigger better yeah. movie oh, for 100 percent. yeah oh yeah yeah but i love how yeah. it's shown on everything as everybody kind of inherently understands that something is happening and then there's just silence there's this void mm-hmm. yeah. and it's so powerful and impactful you know uh, musicians talk about that a lot that like rests can be more important than notes and everything and that this was very mm-hmm. true in that scene yeah i want to go back to something you said larry about this sets you up to let you know it's an epic film and i was i thought about this as soon as as it was starting i said if you started the first five minutes of the 2017 and the first five minutes of this one, you can tell from the first five minutes what you're going to get. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. which one is this is a throwaway superhero movie that no one's going to be talking about in a good way in the next five years. And here's one that's an epic that will be talked about for a long time. I, I sound like I'm really blowing it up, but this movie, not just because it's four hours, but it held my attention and I have not wanted to watch anything else since I watched it. Like, I don't want to watch anything else, so I'm going to, th- to make me not think about it more. Yeah. So it, it's carried with me all those things going on. So, and, and y'all can, uh, uh, I was going to say, y'all can agree or disagree, but the prologue, so I, I finished the prologue and hit pause for just a second and thought to myself, that was better than the entire 2017 cut <laughs> just on its own. 
Yeah. Like I knew what we were in for at that point in time, to y'all's point. It sets up what you're about to watch, and you knew you were in something. And I agree with you, Tim. It's a movie that, at least for Zack Snyder's catalog, is going to be talked about for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. No, I'm right there with you, Blake. When that opening finished and it blacks out, and then you mm-hmm. get the part one, I'm just mm-hmm. going, let's go. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know you're. it's yeah. about to go down. Yeah, I, I mean, know, it was... I, I know we try not to put these two together, but... The moment in Endgame when it goes black and you get that, you know, what, four or six years later mm-hmm. and the whole theater gasped when that prologue ended and that screen came. I was like, if I was in the theater right now, I could feel uh. every person around me like, oh, my gosh, what are we about to experience? Yeah. Like, I missed having that group moment yeah. at that point. So. I was like, can we talk about how much we would have all liked to have been together seeing this in theaters? Like how awesome that would have been. Yeah. Another thing going into what Chad has been talking about that you could tell that a lot of these scenes were were really just put back these little pieces. Like Mm -hmm. they were just clearly cut down. That original battle with Darkseid. Oh, dude. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was epic. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I feel like to uh you know you guys were talking about how you there's these moments that you see the movie that you're going to get and i've thought that was the first time where he proved to us that he's going to bring the team together in the way that we were talking about yes. last week that yes. he never did and and it's small stuff mm-hmm. like like flash not being as afraid him being young and inexperienced mm-hmm. but not necessarily anxious about it that sort of thing yeah. And Diana, mm-hmm. are, you you get the Diana you're going to get for the rest of this movie. She is a brutal warrior, and mm-hmm. they, they make her just totally go for it. Uh, you get Ray, who's uh, Ray, the, the actor's name, obviously, but uh, you know uh, Cyborg, <laughs> who who Victor. jumps into it because you know this is the guy who just caused him extreme pain, and so it. it it was such a better scene, such a better scene. But yeah, just visually, like it's just a better fight too. Yeah, and you're talking about the the scene initially where you know Atlanteans and lanterns yeah, and Amazons are all the scene fighting. I was talking about oh, okay, well, where they're all fighting Darkseid. That's setting up this whole theme of teamwork. Like we're gonna get a team to come together. It's even mentioned several times. Like yeah. everybody worked together. You know, all these different societies came together. And I'm like, okay, we're gonna build a team and the theme throughout this is going to be like the teamwork has to happen in order to achieve what they want. Okay, to that point, was anyone else somewhat disappointed then when all the mother boxes were putting being put together and you saw the Atlantans notice and the Amazons notice? I was like, okay, are they all going to yeah. merge and yeah. join in the fight again? Like I was almost expecting them to come over the hill at some point so would have been cool would have been a cool so moment, a throwback sure. to previous episode though we did talk about the we kind of poked fun at the movie in the sense that you know it was very lord of the ringsy was that was i the Still only one was. that thought yeah. that they they yeah. might have actually gone truer to lord of the rings with this one like that like <laughs> yeah, they doubled yeah. down on it they for sure they, they even made it more so because you have that that scene where the justice league minus superman are heading in to find the scene that i was just talking about because i was i was jumping ahead but they're going in to to find steppenwolf you you see them kind of go one at a time and it was almost shot for shot like from the lord of the rings you're like here goes the dwarf here goes yeah. the elf you know you're kind of yeah. <laughs> but, yeah but here was something i like too when he's 
Uh, and I really wanted to, I meant to look up who the Green Lantern is supposed to be, because I know it's supposed to be a certain Green Lantern. But when the Green Lantern faces off with Darkseid, and then Darkseid just cuts his hand off, the hand that had right. the ring on it, mm-hmm. and then brutally murders him. Did you find it a little interesting that the ring for a second yeah, stops hovered. in front of Darkseid? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He, I mean, I'm going, yeah, hold he's up now. reaching out for it, <laughs> yeah. and the ring is not evading him. It was uh, yeah. it was interesting. Yeah. yeah it, and, it, and knowing what we know about Zack Snyder, it meant something. That's not like a, that wasn't an oh, accident. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you didn't think uh, Darkseid was worthy enough to be in this movie? Well, <laughs> yeah, there he is. the ring <laughs> thinks he's worthy enough. <laughs> Here's something I jotted down in my notes that I wanted to throw out. What were your thoughts about the uh, Bruce and Diana flirting? Oh, the in awkward this movie? mouse scene. I want, I want more of it. I want <laughs> yeah, all of it. It didn't. I didn't mind it. Meh. I mean, they've been that was set up in Batman v Superman, so it it was a continuation of that story. Now, going to the nightmare scene in the epilogue when they were talking about losing someone you loved, I honestly thought at the beginning he was talking about Diana. Because she wasn't there with them. And I was like, wait, mm-hmm. did they have something and she died? So I had that thought for a second. So I, I was just going to say, the l- slight flirting of touching hands on the computer mouse was better than her like rubbing lotion on his back scars or whatever she did in the theatrical cut. Like I was, It was a lot better way to just show that flirtatious relationship than some overt, like, hey, they need to be together. It's just, you know, maybe they don't know they need to be together yet, but I love them both and I want them to be so happy with each other. You can tell Blake and I are Batman fans. That's right. I need it to happen. <laughs> I, I need it to happen, Tim. So I, I had to make note. I pulled up my, my notes from last week and was going through the things that we had mentioned. And of course, one of the things we mentioned in last week's episode was this movie needed to be longer. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we got. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I also pointed out that Chad talked about that one of the best scenes of the movie movie was when Aquaman accidentally sits yeah. on the lasso. Right. Uh-huh, and right. He, uh-huh. and he even thought that was a Snyder scene. But His that sources scene was were nowhere wrong. to be yeah, found. Nope, yeah. I did kind of miss it though. It's okay to give credit where credit's due, right? Like that was a good scene. I wouldn't yeah. have minded to see it in this cut also. So credit where credit is due. It was yeah, it's fine. Yeah. It would it definitely would have felt more out of place in Certainly. the scope of this one. Mm-hmm. But it was still yeah, a, yeah. it was still a good scene that I there, missed. Yeah. But there were so many jokes taken out of this. Like, I don't think you can Mm -hmm. understate that. Well, yes and no. I mean, this this movie has almost no sense of humor, though. I mean, maybe it doesn't need one, but all the Mm -hmm. jokes are gone. And for good or bad, I mean, you miss the uh, Flash talking about Pet Cemetery when they they raise Superman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just joke after joke is completely cut. And in certain scenes, I... 100% 100% agree with you. The end fight is so much better without Superman making jokes the entire time. That was so out of place. Mm-hmm. When you watch it yep. again, uh, tra- you know, against mm-hmm. this version, it doesn't make any sense. His bizarre, but I also like justice and punches him in the face. And you're like, how about don't just punch him in the face? Like, let's, you know. <laughs> yeah. I also, we talked about how, and this was a big thing point we made in last week's episode how we were given things and then there was no payoff to them mm-hmm. this movie gave us our payoffs mm-hmm. in fact this movie added a couple yeah because the the gauntlets that we see alfred working oh, yeah. on and he mm-hmm. explains it, awesome. it to diana yeah. what the gauntlets will do and then we get to see the gauntlets used a couple of times mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and so love that payoff the entire character um, of Cyborg. silas's recording like, yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. And going into his dad, the, the recording, you know, as soon as he starts, now I'm going to talk to you as your father. And then he breaks it. Luckily, at the end of the movie, we get to hear the rest of that tape. Mm-hmm. We got that pay- payoff. The whole, even the thing with the back carrier and the fact that Bruce is working on it and working on it and he can't get it to fly and he can't get it to fly and can't. And then Cyborg shows up and Cyborg's mm-hmm. like, she wants to fly, you know, mm-hmm. and he's figuring it out. And it, it was just so much better that we got introduced to things. They had a, a build up, and then we got a payoff. Mm-hmm. And it was so great to see well, that. And- I mean, I even just the finale of the movie makes more sense. In this one, you believe that yeah. Cyborg is capable of doing what needs to be done to uh, to separate uh-huh. the mother boxes. In the other version, you're just like, I guess, you know, he figured it out uh, somehow, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> so you're 100% yeah. right. All those little scenes that, that we had in the first one that you're just going, uh, okay, well, what is that even supposed to mean? Uh, they, they were very well done in this one there was obviously tons more continuity than than we had in the previous movie mm-hmm. and you're talking about the the final end scene there and uh, things that got cut and thank goodness for my sake that Joss Whedon you know got took this family from Sokovia I guess and put them in the middle of this nuclear community again poor mm-hmm. people you know, they were taken out of the movie. That whole plot where he's got to save them at the end is gone. So I thought that well, was Well, and that excellent. was also a joke moment to yeah, see right. Superman flying the entire building right, of right, people. Right, But we didn't need that, and it got yeah. taken out. Thank no, you. I love that they pretty much just said this is a completely abandoned Yes, you know, which made much more sense. Town. Yeah. That we're just destroying buildings. Yeah. And, so yeah. we're um, just talking about the, that end fight scene. It is such a great payoff on what we were talking about earlier about these two previous fights that we see the team build. Previous three fights, really, where you see the team being built and the idea of team if you throw in the historical fight and all that kind of stuff. And uh, this movie does such a good job of in that final fight scene, you can't take any one of those characters out. You need every no. single one of them to defeat the enemy. Mm-hmm. And that goes into my point from last week's episode where I said uh, the movie was missing that team up moment. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yep. we got it. We got right it. before they enter, yes. we get that pause yes, was so awesome. of all of them, Batman yep. and the Batmobile. Yeah, mm-hmm. And we get that quick pause of all of them right before they go into battle. And then not only that, I talked about how we didn't get any of those like combo moments. Yep. We got that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We mm-hmm. got where uh, Aquaman and Cyborg did the little where Aquaman throws the trident down to create the blast and Cyborg yeah. hits a blast w- to go through it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got that. I think there was even one, even though it's hard to see, where Wonder Woman and Aquaman yeah. do a little yeah. mm-hmm. a little team-up move. Yeah. And I'm just going, this is what we need. Because this, like Chad's saying, this is what's showing them that they need to be able to work as a team. Mm-hmm. The fact that Cyborg pulling apart the mother boxes required Flash. Yes. No. Yep. To, yes. For that I power. I love that aspect. Yes. And and you do have to go back to one of the hidden jokes since we were kind of making fun of him for not have you know having any humor. I do love that Bruce Wayne got to say, "And Barry, you're going to need to run faster than you've ever ran before." Just the yeah, whole yeah. idea that that's like Flash's gimmick is every time he needs <laughs> to run faster to beat this person uh, is one of my favorite <laughs> Flash things. <laughs> So uh, I thought that was pretty cool. So I just looked at the overall uh, feel of the movie and some of the things that we talked about last week, since we keep kind of going back and forth, I think it's fair to mention that most of the Danny Elfman soundtrack is gone. 
It's all Thank gone. Goodness. Yeah, it's, that was it's... that was something I, I said as much because I did say in mm-hmm. last week's episode yeah. I love the soundtrack. I love Danny Elfman, but this one's better. Yeah, but Junkie XL, who yeah. was behind the music for this one, that music was perfect. Yeah, yeah. absolutely perfect. I'm mean, gonna use the word again. It was epic. You had epic music that was married so well with what we were seeing on on screen that it added some of that emotion that we talked about we couldn't get before. Yeah. I think it even amplified that in certain moments, especially those epic battle scenes. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. And I'll be the first to admit that as much as as much as I make fun of uh, Zack Snyder's characteristic, very dark, textured worlds, it totally works in this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. It's kind of yeah. funny that they're going to come out with a black and white version because I felt like that's what I watched. Like, you know, it's yeah. there's, almost, there's, right. <laughs> there's virtually no color in this movie. It's a very uh, just gritty, gray movie. Yeah. But it but there it were actually works. some scenes I'm thinking the black and white version will actually make brighter. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Yeah. But. So, so talking about the music, the one thing that did bother me, I didn't like a lot of the song choices, not the instrumental, but the actual certain songs. actual songs that Zach put in. I'm assuming that it's his choices, but they're all sad and... So just, you and Zack Snyder are not going to share a playlist, is what you're saying? No, probably not. <laughs> I was going to say, I went and downloaded every single song. That in the, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I love mean, I'm, them I'm all. listening to the lyrics, and I understand lyrically right. why they're there, and I'm sure it's supposed to be adding the emotion, but after a while, they all start to sound alike, and I felt like it lost some... I began to tune out, so I began to tune out because it began to sound so much alike, where it's like, oh, here's another sad song that sounds like uh, Hallelujah that... He's obsessed with because he used it in all of his trailers. Was I the only one that almost jumped out of my seat, though, when Diana got her theme back? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. That the fir- that other version missed that theme alone so much it hurt. Like it mm-hmm. being gone was something you felt viscerally, and uh, <laughs> I I was so happy that came back. Yeah, I know we hit it briefly earlier, but I would be remiss to not get the opinions of three comic book aficionados. How did you feel about Joker and Batman interacting in the nightmare scene? Yeah, are we ready to talk about the epilogue? The, <laughs> uh, look, the I want I, I need I need to talk about it. Oh, All right, let's go so, for it. So let, let's go into the epilogue. This is going to be the the big the big thing. So I so to to first talk off of your thing. This was a better performance of the Joker by Jared Leto. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, agreed. Compared to Suicide Squad, That's right? This was a much better. I don't know if he was intentionally pulling from some of Heath Ledger's portrayal. You know, even, even if he was, th- that's fine. I'm good with that. We stand on the shoulders of giants all the time. So if he chose to model it after Heath Ledger, cool. Good for him. Because I don't know that, you know, again, this is something that you would think I would have paid attention to from the 2017 release, but it caught my eye in the opening credits. I didn't know Christopher Nolan was an executive yep. producer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. yeah. I think he's been on all of them. Yeah, all yeah. of the Zack Snyder movies. since since uh, then since the yeah. Dark Knight trilogy, Steel, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was a good time, but I, I found it interesting. I like. I do think Joker got a little long winded mm-hmm. when he was talking. You know, I kind of went, okay, okay, yeah, we get it. <laughs> was I the only one that also noticed that he did not use the line that was used in the trailer? Oh, can we talk about the "We live in a society" meme that Zack Snyder trolled us all on? Oh, Absolutely, dude. yeah. It's not in like, the movie. I was like, uh, you want to talk about a good okay. marketing ploy, though? It, you oh, know, yeah, implementing yeah. that meme, it ignited social media. And if you don't know the meme, there's a meme with 
Heath Ledger's Joker. It says we live in a society that's supposed to talk about the aspect of humanity that's not there or whatever. So he implements that. And apparently it was Jared Leto's idea to use that line. And then it causes firestorm of people talking about the movie. And then he pulled it out of the film, which was hilarious. No, fi- yeah. Firestorm's not in this movie. That's going to be. <laughs> Sorry. Star, Star Girl. Was that Supergirl's pod open on Super on the ship, by the way? Can we just for real quick go back? Uh, yeah. Well, that's what. Well, so that was in Man of Steel, and there were actually talks that the open pod in Man of Steel was supposed to be Supergirl. Okay, just want to check. So, sorry. Yeah. Talking about nightmare scene. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, but uh, I, my personal opinion, I need to see a buddy movie with Batman and Joker traversing a barren landscape together. I see some uh, some maybe uh, not I, not agreement there. I want no, it. I'm the okay. I'm gonna go ahead and get my hot topic, so you guys can fight me till the end on this one, but. <laughs> I could have gone without the nightmare scene at the end, honestly. Okay. Well, once again, knowing that if what we know now is true, there's not going to be a continuation yeah. of the story, then why show us this to make us go, oh, yeah. man, why didn't you do it? As much as I talked about in the last episode how I loved the uh, post credit scene or mid credit scene or whatever with uh, Slade Wilson that I wanted to see that movie, mm-hmm. they still use that. I liked this version better. But then you jump right to this nightmare where he's teaming up with Batman. I'm like, okay, we've just jumped past the movie we thought we were going to see to something else. So it almost went too far to where now I was like, I just want to well, enjoy what the movie as it was. So c- Counterpoint, you do have to realize that this was Zack Snyder making the movie that he had a vision for the future. I mean, so right. it, you could use the same argument on why is dark side in this movie? And, mm-hmm. you know, cause there's no finality with that. He's coming to invade earth now, like right, at, the, right. at the end of this movie. Yeah. So yeah. it's not the mm-hmm. only loose end. No, I agree with that. But I do understand in the sense of that. And, and that was a criticism I have of the nightmare scene from, uh, BVS, because if you don't understand the comic book, it makes zero sense. Mm-hmm. It is definitely something where you have to have some comic knowledge for this post-apocalyptic scene to make any sense for you. So talking about, let me, let me try and help my point here of wanting a Batman Joker movie and making the connection to our moving panels here. There's a, a run with Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo called Last Night on Earth where Batman traverses this barren landscape with the Joker's head inside of essentially a lantern. And the back and forth and repartee in that comic book that Scott Snyder wrote, I feel like would translate so well in certain aspects to the big screen. And I hate that we may not get that. So if you haven't read Last Night on Earth, everybody, you need to check it out. It's really good. But that's what makes me think it would be awesome to see these two characters now in the same universe have those moments together. I do, to your credit, want to see what Batman has planned for Joker in the sense of you get the feeling that Joker is being put up to kind of a self-sacrifice, you know, mm-hmm. kamikaze mm-hmm. moment. He's there for a reason. Yeah. He's right. not there to right. fight. He's right. there for a reason. Right. Yeah. So so what is he carrying or, you know, what is he supposed to do that's going to, I guess, end or at least nullify Superman? Uh, but I think, he says, you need me. Yeah, yeah but I think we are at the end of, of that journey. The, the journey across the wasteland's over. Superman has found yeah. them. It's about to go down. So, yeah, yeah I did yeah. like that Joker had all those deputy badges. Like that was a co- it was a cool look. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was interesting. And the Batman, make no mistake, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to explicit yeah. kill you. Yeah, like, exactly. Uh, that was that was very clear. So with that epilogue, 
because I, I kind of agree with Tim. Part of me was like, why put this in here and tease us with this? Is Zack Snyder making his pitch? That's my oh, thing. Fingers so crossed. So there has... Since the movie has been released, even when it was released to people who got to see it in advanced screenings, there is now, you know, before it was the release the Snyder Cut movement. Now it's we're going into continue. the uh, It's not revive. Restore. Yeah, restore, restore the Snyderverse. Restore, that's it. Yeah. Restore the Snyderverse. Yeah. And he I'm even, all for that. I'm yeah. all for that. He's even yeah. talked about, though, in a couple of his interviews where, A, he now has zero interest in doing a He has no drive to do another comic movie, he stated. But the second thing was, is that he and his wife both have said, look, this is the movie we were going to do all along. We were going to stick to that, regardless of whether it was going to be a second one. This was the vision. We wanted everybody to see what we wanted to do. Yeah, to, I don't know, to play devil's advocate, I would I would imagine it would be hard as a human being to not get a little bit energy back with the absolutely with the outpouring of love that has Mm -hmm. come i mean guys we've spent over an hour and a half doing nothing but talking about how great (laughs) this is right so and we're not the only ones so uh, yeah that that has to to well even do something to him even going back to the one shot from a couple weeks ago that Chad, Blake, and I did about is Zack Snyder a good director? I want to talk um, about which we it. Ultimately, yeah. We ultimately said yes, but throughout that episode, uh, we're making the point, it's really, in terms of superhero movies, it's really going to come down to the Snyder Cut. Mm-hmm. And now that the Snyder Cut has hit, I'm just going, I need I need more Zack Snyder mm-hmm. DC. Yeah. yeah. I really do. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. He, uh, I think you need more Zack Snyder DC with the reins taking off of him, yes. so to yeah, speak. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Clearly, yeah. I, he knows what he wants to do and yeah. What he's doing, let him do it. Yep. Well, knowing that, I think I said saw today that HBO Max crashed when it yeah. was first released. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you've got that going for HBO Max and Warner Brothers. I wouldn't be surprised if they're going to hand him a bunch of money to say, we've got to keep this going, because especially eventually theaters are going to open up back again. And as we talked about, seeing this in a theater setting would have been magnificent. Oh, man. So, yeah. And it's not I, unprecedented. I, I would, Right, I mean, exactly. Right. D- yep. Disney had to go back to James Gunn and back up trucks of money to his house mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> when they realized that they needed him for Guardians. Uh, you know, so so stuff happens, and you know, I I think that to the guys at Warner Brothers, money talks. To Zack Snyder, the outpouring of love for his vision is going to be right. powerful. Yeah, right. Uh, yep. I, yeah. I could very for sure see uh, see more Zack Snyder movies coming in the DC universe. Right. And what we saw up to this point that the actors, Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot, Ray Fisher, all of them, they wanted him to continue it as well. Of course, they all, you know, had to suffer through Mm -hmm. all the reshoots of what it became, but he's got their support as well. So that's one thing. You've got the studio, you've got your original actors that would want to do it, and you've got the fans. I mean, what else do you really need besides a vision and passion? But I think that that would come back as well. And whether it's true or not, I'm not really sure. But I've read several times where a lot of the actors said, hey, if we need to reshoot, we will do it for Mm -hmm. free. Like to finish this out and do it correctly. We're willing to come aboard for free. So I'm sure you'd be willing to come aboard for money as well. If somebody's (laughs) going to pay you to actually do it, I'm sure you'd come aboard. But ultimately, we talked about last week, we we watched the 2017 theatrical cut, and we just didn't mm-hmm. feel anything watching it. Whereas we've talked about, like Chad said, for the last hour and a half, we've talked about how pumped up we got, talked about things that gave us yeah. chills, even while we've talked about it. Mm-hmm. I've gotten yep. chills every now and then thinking of, rethinking about some of these scenes. And it's just so much more better. 
oh my goodness, I want them to restore the Snyderverse. I want to see this play out. With all that being said, I want to go back. Lois. Mm -hmm. She opens up the drawer to the desk. Yes. And we see... Yes. We see... Pregnancy test. The pregnancy test. Hey everybody, I'm just going to cut in real quick. We're starting to talk about Lois's pregnancy test, and it didn't come to our attention until after we recorded that the name of the pregnancy test, although may have been a little Easter egg uh, placed there by Zack Snyder, he may not have thought it all the way through as to some of the implications that that name could imply. My wife Bethany is going to join us here to kind of give her two cents on the matter. So I'm going to call this Raging Feminism Corner. A little toasty over here. So force majeure is a law term. It means unforeseen circumstance. Yeah, so uh, the name of the pregnancy test is called force majeure. Oh, yeah. And we found out that that's a law term that means an unforeseen circumstance in which uh, a person is not able to fulfill their contract. So pretty much it just legally allows them to walk away and break their contract because of a certain uh, situation. Now, we understand that could very much be in reference to Zack Snyder having to leave the original Justice League due to the tragic uh, family event yes. um, that caused he and his wife to depart from the original and, the original movie. And I even understand, like, putting it outside of that, I understand putting it on the pregnancy test to symbolize that because it was his child. And that's a horrible, awful thing to go through. And so this is not in any way implying that I think he's terrible for putting it on this pregnancy test. However, the term unforeseen circumstance, and even in those terms of just like, it's a contract that you can break. It, it's so loaded, it puts this burden, this shame on Lois that she really doesn't have. And yet it's like this outside burden this pointing finger almost which a lot of time comes with a woman who's pregnant who's not married of saying like oh guess you weren't careful enough and he doesn't have to sign the deal or seal the deal because you know that whole why buy the cow if you can get the milk for free nonsense that is from the 1950s that people still lean on and you know it's it's a lot to put on the shoulders, even if it's a silent moment, even if it's just two seconds in this four-hour-long movie. It's basically the only thing we know about Lois during this movie. She's not working, she's pregnant, and it's a force majeure. Yeah, so ultimately, although we get that it might be just that little Easter egg that Zack Snyder put on it, if you really break down the translation of force majeure to the unforeseen circumstance, to... Uh, superior force, which is how it actually literally translates to French. Right. Uh, you break it down into the Latin, and it breaks down into a chance occurrence or an unavoidable accident. Ew. It just doesn't actually sit right it, to be the name of a pregnancy test. Especially since, I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of big fans of the movie that do know this information about Zack Snyder. It's not something I was completely aware of. And just outside of knowing, like, you have to know so much of the whole story for this two seconds to not be gross. And it, it brings up the idea of there's this point, especially not all the time, but a lot of times with white male directors. They reach a level of fame, a level of notoriety 
and you can't say no to them. It feels like people can't say no to them. So they do stuff and it's like nobody gives them a once over. Nobody goes behind them and says, you know, maybe maybe we don't do that here. Um, it's something that a lot of female directors, directors of color, don't get that opportunity. Those directors don't get that chance to fail, those second chances. So yeah, so I feel like it's just one of those moments where the implications are there. It's, it's not great. It's gross. I get what they meant by it. It is us sitting back and saying like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. But it's a four hour movie. That's all we know about Lois. It puts this level of blame on her that sucks. What do you think? I mean, again, I, I think that it was not meant in ill will. Yeah. I do think that it was just the way that he thought to put in kind of that, that nod. As we have talked about, and you'll you hear throughout this episode, we talk about a lot of things that we know that Zack Snyder probably put in there just as his little nods to being able to come back and do the other movie and little nods to Warner Brothers messing up his original movie. Um, but Bethany and I felt that this was just something we wanted to address uh, to know that it didn't go ignored. We just wanted to point that out because we just felt that maybe it was a bad decision to Is allow it... Poor taste. Allow it to be the name. It could have been the name of something else, yeah. but to allow it to be the name of the pregnancy test, we think was just a little problematic. You could even... I said this... I went back and forth discussing this with Chad earlier. It could have gone anywhere that you could have made the point in any other way. And it still would have made sense. And it wouldn't have had these burdens, these layers that is left that we're left with in this two second shot in a four hour movie. I don't know why it bothers me so much, but it really does. Again, we just wanted to uh, bring that to your attention. If you didn't notice it, we, we felt that it was something that deserved to be said. So thank you, Bethany. Thank you. And then we see her, we don't actually see her pick it up, but then we see her step into a side room, which looked like the placement mm -hmm. of a bathroom. Okay, and, I, I, I'm going to wait. Right, and somebody. you have Bruce Wayne, who at the end of a conversation with, uh, with Superman says, oh yeah, and congrats. Yeah. Congrats, yes. Is he talking about the engagement? Or is he talking about something else? So do y'all want spoilers for stuff that's never going to happen? Or <laughs> Well, no, I've read... So you, I've okay, read you've read Snyder's, what he said. I've read Snyder's yeah. synopsis, but there was no illusion. Lois was still dedicated to Clark oh, in this movie. That's clearly a result of the bathtub scene in BVS, right? Like, we get that, uh -oh. don't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for people who don't know what me and Blake are talking about, Snyder did release his synopsis for Justice League 2 and Justice League 3. And in that one, it does do a little bit of into the future. And Lois and Bruce have developed a relationship. And Lois eventually becomes pregnant with Bruce Wayne's child. I do not think that's what they were alluding no, to in this movie. No. Because again, this movie was mm -hmm. very clear that Lois was still... Dedicated dedicated and you know in love with clark yeah so it clearly if they're going to have the little pregnancy test and like chad said if that line at the end was you know i heard congratulations are in order you know are they going towards the birth of jonathan Kent? Yeah, they uh well another thing schneider has stated that the plan now would have been to have that be Lois and Clark's son. In the future, Batman dies and Bruce Kent would be their child and he takes up the mantle yeah. as Batman, which I thought would have been a cool arc yeah. to mm -hmm. see as well. 
Um, so a lot of things could have played out. And I'm like Laramie, hashtag restore the Snyderverse. Put it back together. I'm all for it. All right. I think we're ready. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's time. And I, it's going to be – you want to talk about – we're going to jump to a complete polar opposite here. That's bad and stack it or trade it. Do you even have to ask us? Y'all all three, the 2017 version, y'all all three said to trade it. I said to stack it just because were, I'm a big uh, Justice League fan fence. and I said this was... Yeah. Back and yeah. forth, yeah. Yeah, I was on the fence, but I did say stack it because this was, as I said in last week's episode, this is my way yeah, to see know. the Justice League. This is currently my only way to see the Justice League. <laughs> it's not my only way anymore. <laughs> All right, so so here we go. Um, again, just like I did last time, I'll go based off of the way I see you guys on my screen. So, Chad, bag it, stack it, or trade kudos it. Where kudos are due. Blake uh, had faith in this movie and called it last time around and was trading for a yet unreleased Snyder Cut. There we go. Uh, <laughs> right? It, right, it yeah. is for sure a bag it. This was a great movie. Welcome aboard, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tim, what say you? Bag it, frame it, put it on the highest shelf, that no dog, cat, child will ever touch. It's fantastic. I I have to bag it. Blake? Um, I have already bagged this, sent it off for grading, and it has come back Jim Mint 10. I say, yeah. this, was, this was a completely different movie like we've talked about. It was fantastic from start to beginning. We, we said kind of in between here, it felt like an hour and a half movie that was four hours long. It was so good. It just clipped by. I was never bored. Bag it, keep it, hold on to it forever. It's his masterpiece at this point in time for me. Yeah, no, I, I will admit, and, and I'm just going to go and say I'm bagging it as well. I'm right there with Blake. This is one that I would buy two copies mm-hmm. of it, one to never be touched, you, you know, and then the other one to be the one that I, I use. But I was in the same boat. I... Like Blake said, it's four hours, but it is four hours that you are invested in from beginning to end. And people who want to complain about the length, if you take out that epilogue, well, not the entire epilogue, but the the maybe the nightmare part, you take out maybe a, a few seconds of some of the slow-mo scenes, right, right. you'd probably lose you know about 30 minutes of the movie. That's exactly how long Endgame yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. This movie is 30 minutes longer than Endgame, yeah. give or take a couple yeah. minutes. So, yeah, but no, definitely so much so a bag it. It is amazing the complete 180 that this movie did. Yeah. You know, I'm a fan of of the unpopular opinion. I like the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie, mm-hmm. but I like the director's cut yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. There yeah. is a director's mm-hmm. cut. I like the director's cut, but all the director's cut is, it's like the subplot that got cut out of the theatrical version and it just helps the cohesiveness of the story. We're talking here about almost a completely different movie. Even with some of the same scenes and same moments, the way that they brought scenes back in and they recut some scenes, whatever they did, this is a completely different movie and it is just to me, the best DC movie that has been made in recent years. Probably have to agree with that. I think it's better than Wonder Woman. I think it's better than Wonder Woman. Uh, We talked about last week that Wonder Woman was was the pinnacle of the the DCEU. Mm -hmm. I'm putting this as currently the best movie from the the modern day DCEU. Mm -hmm. I will never put anything above Superman the movie. So (laughs) there, there you go. 
And that's your unbiased opinion, right, Laramie? No, yeah, no, there's nothing, <laughs> nothing behind that at all. As he sits in a room surrounded by Superman, yeah, Superman. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Any uh, last thoughts? Any last words? Any of you want to give? Well, I will. You were talking about the length, and and I've I've had this thought back and forth, but we've all watched it in its entirety. Going back to watch it, would you ever just watch it section by section and take breaks and see if it's a different experience? Or were you always just watching? I did watch tell it? you, I watched the straight four hours and two minutes today. Well, I know you did that because that's right how much time recorded. you had like, before we recorded. Did, but. Didn't hit pause the entire time. <laughs> straight four hours and two minutes. Yeah, it's. Uh, like I, said, I went straight through watching it on, on mine and enjoyed the experience, all the snacks, all the candy. But my last thought is, if anybody finds out where I can get a high-resolution print of Batman standing on the Dark Knight Returns tank towards the end of the movie... I want it, need yeah. it. Somebody send that to me. That was an epic <laughs> shot of yeah. epic shots. A beautifully cinematographed, cinematographed, filmed or whatever. Zack Snyder produces beautiful imagery, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love how the uh, the guy who's all about photography didn't know the word to use for yeah, what, the cinematography. Yeah, like, I blanked on it. I can tell you about the five to three aspect ratio of the human eye there, Laramie. So, you know, take what you can get, man. No, I mean, we just, we finally got the Justice League movie we had all wanted. I mean, I don't I don't think Boy, there's a we. lot more yep. to say about that. It's amazing. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you, Chad. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Blake. Uh, this definitely, I mean, it was almost just perfect for us to unite for the, the original uh-huh. and then be able to come back to unite for this one because it was even more epic. <laughs> and so uh, thank you, guys. It was great. And thank you for listening. Um, Again, this was meant to be a one-shot. This was meant to be a short episode of just our reaction. But as soon as that movie finished, I was like, no, no, no. This is going to be another full episode. So, you know, I've gone in. This will not be titled a one-shot. This will be titled as the next episode, full episode. But thanks, everybody. And, uh... If, you know, follow us on, on social media. Great way to keep that conversation going and uh, keep in touch with us. Uh, the show is at Moving Panels, whether you're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, even TikTok. I actually posted a reaction as soon as I finished uh, watching it yesterday on TikTok. Uh, so you would have already had an idea of what I felt. Look, if you haven't gotten the chance yet to sit and watch it, obviously, if you listen to this, we spoiled a lot, but <laughs> it's still worth <laughs> it's still worth the watch. Go watch it. But thank you for listening and for Moving Panels. I'm Laramie Wells, and I'll see you on the other side of the page. Dude!